On episode 256 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to mentally prepare for your matches with Dr. Larry Lauer. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the show. This is your host, Mirban Iranshad, and on today's episode, I have for you an interview with Dr. Larry Lauer. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Dr. Lauer earned a PhD in science, exercise, and sports psychology from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. He was previously the Director of Coaching Education and Development at the Institute for the Study of Youth Sports at Michigan State University. Dr. Lauer was also an assistant coach and mental coach for Michigan State men's tennis, helping the team reach the 2013 NCAA tournament. And Dr. Lauer was a sports psychologist consultant for USA Hockey's National Team Development Program. He currently co-hosts the Compete Like a Champion podcast with Johnny Parks, and he is a mental skills game expert for the USCA National Campus's athletes there. So um, really cool to have Dr. Lauer on this week's episode. We actually recorded this one a little while back, and Dr. Lauer, in addition to talking about how to mentally prepare for your matches, answered some of the audience's questions. This was actually a live stream. So I really hope that you enjoy this one and gain a lot of value from it. I certainly did and took a lot away from it in terms of how to prepare for my matches. And that's one big thing that a lot of people do wrong, uh, including myself in the past and even sometimes now. Uh, you know, no one's perfect in that regard, but uh, if we stick with the plan that Dr. Lauer is going to lay out for you, then you will maximize your chance of winning and playing well first and foremost. So, all right. So with that, uh, and without further ado, here is the episode of, for this week with Dr. Larry Lauer. Great, great. And just as some, some background, um, and you do obviously a ton of great work with some great players. Like, who do you, who are you uh, working with uh, when you're down there at the USA's uh, national campus? Yeah, so now it's it's uh, really heavily focused on juniors, junior players, and some transition pros. So we have a lot of our young best juniors will come in and visit and go home. So um, you know, we have we have players like Reese Brantmeyer, Ashlyn Kruger, training out of the campus. Um, we have, uh, as well on the guys' side, we have a number of players. They've been coming more in and out, but, uh, you know, so there's, there's a bunch of players. When people ask me, you know, who have I been working with, I say pretty much, you know, I've been involved with a, a lot of different American players. I can't really speak to specific people, but uh, most of the American players over the last, you know, 10 years have had some involvement with because, you know, they come through the training center and we do – uh, presentations. We do obviously individual consults and we also, you know, just provide that support, whatever they need. So uh, some players I work with directly, some I don't, but uh, certainly it's it's fun and, and we're, we're doing our best to, to make a difference. So 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you're definitely definitely are. It's uh, so important as we you know see on the tour. Uh, uh, a lot of the trials and tribulations people go through, and it's mainly the mental side, I'd say. So, and as far as like preparing mentally for matches, I don't want to take too much away from your presentation that's coming up. But I mean, how? I mean, how often do you think adult play? And you know, I don't know how much you work with like adult recreational players. Probably not too much, but you know, how much of that is an issue? Do you think like how, how underutilized is that, and how much can we gain from actually doing that? Oh, I, I think that the. Uh preparation for matches is vastly underutilized by adult players. I played uh, league tennis uh, when I was in Michigan and Michigan State University and we had a team and played for the 4-0 team. And when I showed up, you know, great guys and, and some really good players, but they were just a group of individuals that happened to come together and play together. But there was no real, you know, they had a Tuesday practice, but, you know, the way you do things uh, increases your chances so much in, in terms of your performance and, and just enjoying the performance, you know. And I think about, you know, why would adult players put more time into preparing? Because they're busy. They might be traveling from a pretty good distance, you know, in the car to play. Uh, if they're playing league tennis, uh, you know, maybe they're coming straight from work or being with their children. So there's a lot of different reasons why we wouldn't really prepare. And again, I'm not talking about the preparation that, you know, everyone's seen Nadal's preparation at the U.S. Open. They're like, that, that guy, that's the hardest workout of my year, his, his warm-up. But, uh, but you can do a few things that can really help you perform. So if, you, if you're willing to make the time, 10, 15 minutes, um, you can be healthier. Uh, you can start faster to your matches. You can enjoy the experience more because you're playing better just because you've loosened up. And, and we'll talk about some of the details of that. One of the, one of the things about that, Mirvan, is that people don't like to do it because, well, everybody's kind of hanging around and you're being social and you're talking. Do you want to yeah. be the person who's off doing their own thing, warming up, listening to music, stretching, doing a dynamic shadow strokes, visualizing all these things? Um, but if you want to get an advantage on your opponents, then you have to be a little bit different. And I think this area that you asked me to speak about is, is definitely one of those um, places where you can get a big advantage and, and improve your game. Awesome, Larry. Really excited to uh, to hear more about that from you. Just uh, say hello to a few people. Jay, look, hello from MoCo. That's where I am. Awesome. Uh, John, hello from a sunny day in Victoria, BC. Definitely wish I was there. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> uh <laughs> Al, hi from San Jose, California. Yeah. Uh, hello to you, Al. Uh, Raj, do you want to answer the three questions? Yeah, there's three questions below um, this video as far as like where you're from and your level and your biggest uh, issue in tennis or problem. So feel free to post that below in that section or here. Um, either way it works for us. Jamie, hello again uh, from Philly. Awesome. Uh, Still Philly. Philly cheese stick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're a Philly fan, are you? I, I lived in Philadelphia for a while. I, yeah, I worked for Flyer Skates. I was a hockey director, believe it or not. I know oh. I'm at a tennis summit, but uh, as a hockey director <laughs> back 20, 22 years ago, but a huge Flyers fan, Phillies, Sixers. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Oh, and and cheese, cool. cheese steak fan as well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Respect it. Respect it. Um, I'm in, uh, you know, Maryland, so I've kind of favored the DC teams, but uh, good rivalries there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and surf, surfer in. Hello from sunny, good vibes, Stockholm. Awesome. 
Okay, Ooh. Stockholm. Love nice. to see it. Love to see it. So yeah, Larry, uh, I'll you know I won't blabber on uh, anymore for now at least. So uh, I I guess you have a, a cool presentation for us to check out. So I mean we can go to that if you'd like. Sure. I just wanted to share a few things, you know, here today with with our audience and some important ideas that I feel, you know, even if you can just do a few things, it can make a big difference in your tennis. So uh, this idea that why would we prepare for our matches mentally? Well, I think it's a way to get the best out of ourselves. Uh, and, and to find more consistent performances, which is we all want, even if we're not that serious, it's not fun to go and not know what player is going to show up, right? You know, am I going to be yeah. two five today or am I going to be four five? So, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody, and again, the U.S. system are rating that, but nobody likes that. So, one of, one of the things that I like to talk to our players about is, you know, this metaphor of entering the highway at the speed of traffic and. I bet our audience, some of them will remember Sammy Agar, I can't drive 55. Uh, this idea, you know, that you can't go this slow. He, he's got to go in the higher gear and he's got to speed. And I'm not recommending people speed. But the, the point is that when we start a match, we want to enter the speed of the match, right? So when you get on the highway, you don't enter the highway at 30 mile per hour because you're going to get run over. Someone's just going to come up behind you and smack you. And you don't enter the highway at 100 mile per hour because you're going to run over somebody, right? So you have to try to get into traffic close to the speed of traffic. You can't allow yourself five minutes to warm up to the speed of traffic because it's really going to mess up the flow. So you have that entrance ramp that you do that on. Well, to me, our warm up is our entrance ramp to the match. And we want to be as close to the speed of match as we can be when we start to match. Uh, this way you can start um, really giving that effort that you want from the first ball, striking the ball the way you want to, executing certain points, the patterns, strategies from the start. Uh, it gives you a big edge. And we know that if you can get the first break, you're more likely to win. I mean, that makes sense. So, you know, that metaphor of let's, let's start at the speed of traffic uh, and, and not wait to just get into the match, the flow match. I hear that, well, I need to play a couple games. Okay, but that might be a couple games that you're now behind. You know, you're, yeah. you're down 0-2 and you're just starting to see the ball. So not necessarily the best move. But in, when we talk about pre-match preparation, we're talking about planned activities. So these are things that you do on purpose. They're done consistently and they help you reach your optimal performance state. Okay, and that... If everyone on listening, watching this, that is this place physically, mentally, emotionally where you're at your best. And that formula is different for every single person. There are some guidelines. There are some principles we want to follow. But as a player, you need to figure out what that formula looks like. What does it, what's it going to take for me to play my best tennis? So your best source of inf information is going to be your past. Um, when have you played your best and, and how did you get yourself ready to play? Uh, you know, so it's a bit of a kind of, it's kind of an experiment in some ways where you're trying to figure out what brings my best tennis out. Pros do this all the time as they're moving up the, up the system, right? They're learning about when they played their best, when they played worse and, and what were the differences in the preparation. You're talking about that all the time. 
that's that's something that our our players, our adult players, can definitely take advantage of too. So, mm-hmm. so what what do we mean by ready? So, I think ready is this place in general where you're present, you have great positive energy, uh, and and you're focused, you're committed to a plan, uh, a strategy. So there, there's some goal that you have maybe. So when you come into your match, you know, how do you know if you're ready? Well, physically, okay, you need enough energy to be ready to, like we said, enter the speed of traffic. So you got to be warmed up. You got to be loose. The heart's got to be pumping blood. The muscles have to be stretched, all these things. Mentally, you need to be focused. Because if you're focused on what you're doing for dinner or what people are saying on the sideline or a fight you had last night, you're not going to play very good tennis, right? And, and again, tennis is way more enjoyable um, when you're present. And so having that present focus, right? And how do you create that? How do you get there? And finally, emotionally, uh, tennis is a very emotional sport because you're playing doubles, so it's a highly energized uh, version of tennis, or we're out there by ourselves in singles. And that can be quite emotional as well because we feel quite responsible for what's happening um emotionally are you in the right space to compete and what does that look like are you feeling excited are you feeling uh, a sense of control are you feeling composed are you happy are you sad are you enthusiastic so frustrated angry you know where where is that emotional sort of mix that you're at and you want to target those emotions that you want to have more so than the others. Now, we don't have total control of our emotions, unfortunately, but we can do things to try to get us close to the right emotional mix as we go into a match. So so when you think about being ready, think about it's not just physical. That's what everybody thinks about. It's also mental. It's your focus and emotional, that emotional energy, that the feelings that you have going into a match. So physically, you know, to make this a little bit more concrete, you know, think about what temperature you want to be at when you're when you're playing your best. Uh, you know, if, if people say like Federer is cool, calm, collected, you know, maybe he he might think about this differently. By the way, I've never talked to him about it, but maybe he feels like he's at like forty degrees, you know, pretty cool, composed. And then maybe someone else is really fiery. Maybe they're like 80, 90, Maybe Nadal's there, right? I don't know. Maybe Serena's like eighty. She's a very fiery competitor, um, you know, whereas someone else would be a lot uh, not showing as much of that. So that, again, is a very much a subjective individual thing. But what you want to be able to do is put a number to or a temperature to when you're playing your best. What does it feel like? Am I fiery? Am I energized? Am I demonstrating a lot of energy? Am I just cool, calm and collected going about my business? Who are you on the court? I, I see a lot of players have no idea about what their best energy looks like. They just are sort of going with the flow, riding the wind. Whatever comes, comes. And, and, and if you want to be that way, that's fine. But I feel like probably a lot of the people in the audience are looking for the edge. They're looking for ideas about how to be a better player, perform more consistently. And here again is a place where you, you can do that if you can find the right physical and emotional energy prior to your match you get a big edge on on your opponent. You're going to play better. So how do you do that? Well, there's actually, you see on the slide here, you can search 
habits for tennis success, set the pre-match preparation plan on our USTA website. On there, there's a link to go to a worksheet where you can fill out some questions that will help you determine sort of your best match temperature and your worst match temperature. Give you a sense of where you're at with your energy uh, before before you play your best and when, you, when you're not playing your best. So hopefully, you know, those that are watching, you know, search that up, download it, fill it out. Um, maybe have a, a teammate or someone who knows you fill it out as well and then give you good feedback. Or maybe it's your coach that, that you hit with. Focus. So this mental preparation as well, you know, think of it as a, a, a funnel. Okay. And the day before you play a match, you're thinking about a lot of different things. I don't necessarily think you should be solely focused on your match. But as you get closer to your match, you're starting to funnel in that focus. You're thinking of fewer things and fewer things. And this is an, an intentional process. Now, pros will start that process probably a lot earlier than in a recreational player. However, it depends on the person and, and, and what they're able to do, what's going to make them successful. So, you know, when you, when you play tennis the next day, do you like to think about your match the night before? Do you want your mind off of your tennis? How does it make you feel to be focused on your tennis? Do you get too anxious and worked up and then it's not good for you? Or does it make you feel ready to maybe think about how you want to play the next day, the goals you have, that kind of thing? Typically, what we encourage players to do is to visualize the night before about their game plan, how they're going to play, and or to journal, take down in writing what they're going to do to cement that commitment and that readiness to do it. Same thing in the morning, uh, you know, again, how much you're going to do as an as a adult recreational player. Uh, you know, I don't know, but, you know, doing things like getting loose, eating certain meals, listening to music, um, these things can help you get in the right headspace and get that focus, start to funnel in. Once you get on site, Again, that can be very distracting because you're with maybe you have teammates or people that you know, maybe you know your opponents that you're playing. And if you don't take that quiet time away from all the socializing, you might show up at the start of a match going about 30 miles per hour. Your focus is on things other than your tennis. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, as you can imagine, having a really good warm up because that, that's a place where you really start to funnel in. So if you can get a warm-up hitting with someone prior to your match, uh, that's, that's a big opportunity really to start to dial in your focus, even if you haven't dialed in your focus before that. Seeing the ball moving, hitting the shots you want to hit during the match. I even suggest playing a few points if you can, uh, just to start to feel like you're really getting into it and you're exerting yourself and doing the things you do during the match. For example, you know, Yvonne Lendl said that uh, – you know, in, in the pre-match, he would hit a few balls, just wire them off the back fence or the wall because he was just kind of figuring out what he had that day. So he'd hit it as big as he could, and then he'd bring it back in, bring it back into the court. And I always found that to be a, a great way to help you open up your game, your strokes, and then you, you, you work your game back into the court. Obviously, you don't want to hit every ball out. So your warm-up with your opponent is where you should have funneled all the way down so now the only thing you're thinking about is tennis. Uh, and specifically, you know, when you're warming up with your opponent, this is not a time to uh, try to hit winners. Obviously, that really upsets people. But it is a time 
to move your feet, um, really swing through your, your shots, accelerate, and, and hit a good shot, you know. Don't get so caught up of the ball having to land in, more so than just doing the things that makes you successful when you play the, play the match. And then finally, like we talked about at first ball, to me, um, this is where you start kicking in your between point routines, but uh, you have a good energy. You're very clear on your strategy or your plan if you have one, uh, which I would greatly suggest you do uh, if you're looking to enhance your performance. And, uh, you know, you're, you're really uh, present and ready to go. All right, last Larry, couple. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry um, to interrupt. Uh, yeah, just about the um, the night before point. I, I was wondering, yeah. you know, I'm sure that, um, you know, many of us may not even know, like, whether it's better for us to focus heavily on tennis the night before or not at all. So, I mean, would you suggest that we just kind of experiment, like, w- before a match one night, we, we were all in, <laughs> and then the next match, like, maybe we're, we don't think about it at all and just kind of see how that affects us? Yeah, absolutely. That's a way to do it. And you might also get some insights from other parts of your life, right? Like if in your mm-hmm. job, you have to present and maybe what you do in sales or marketing or maybe whatever, whatever job, if it requires you to perform, maybe you, you can get some insights into how you prepare for that, right? Do you like yeah. to spend a lot of time the day before? I know it's not the same, but it gives you a sense of, you know, when you think more about things, you start getting anxious. Or does it make you feel ready? Now, the content of that thinking really is the important part of it, right? Am I creating a lot of doubts and what ifs and worries? Or am I honing in on the things that I'm going to do to be successful? And this is where I was going to go with the next slide is that, you know, a great place to start, honestly, before the match, maybe even the night before, is to do some visualization or recreating your mind uh, images of you playing successfully and focusing on these ABCs. So these are the, the, the key kind of process goals or the how-to goals, how you're going to play, how you're going to compete. They're going to make you successful. And I think, you know, a lot of times players can overthink things. So maybe in the morning of your match, you might go through, write down a couple things you're trying to do, a couple ABCs, like I'm trying to you know, get forward to the net. Uh, I want to make sure I'm setting up points to my forehand and, and use my cross court forehand. Uh, and maybe I'm thinking about, you know, just really being focused and ready for each point. So I give myself these simple goals that are in my control. These things I commit to and it gives me a sense of uh, readiness, but also a sense that, okay, I have a plan. And when you have a plan and that's how you're evaluating yourself, am I doing these things? It creates a sense of certainty, which is a, like an antidote for anxiety. You think of where fear and anxiety come from. Fear and anxiety come from uh, uncertainty, what we don't know. Well, tennis is always uncertain, even up to the last point. So how do we create more of that certain feeling? When we draw our focus to uh our process goals are ABCs. I'm going to do A, B, and C in this match. These are things that are under my control for the most part. And if I do those things, I'm going to walk off the court happy and proud. So that's a way to counteract the anxiety that comes. Uh, and it also is a way to quiet the overthinking. So if you can hone in on, okay, I'm going to do these things. I see it in my mind. I write it down. Boom, period on the end of the sentence. I'm done. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm going to move on with my evening. I'm going to move on with my morning. 
I've done my mental work. I don't need to spend so much more time thinking about it. Great stuff. So I don't know, folks might be saying, well, how do you put this into, uh, practically put this into, into work? And, and I would say a few things, you know, get out your pen or your pencil, get out a piece of paper and just think about what are the activities that I do before a match that help me feel ready mentally, physically, emotionally, what are they doing for me? And, you know, once we know what that optimal performance state is, which you can learn more about in that worksheet I mentioned that's online, we can then start planning our activities to hit that optimal performance state. So my suggestion, whatever you do, keep it simple. All right. So you don't need to be Novak Djokovic with your preparation. Do two or three things. If you do two things now and you think there's one thing that would help you, add that one thing and see how it goes. I wouldn't add more than one thing at a time, probably. Be consistent with it. You know, one time doing it is not going to tell you whether or not it's successful. Do it over five matches. Do it over eight matches. See how that impacts how you feel on the court, how you prepare, how you start matches. Are you in control of your emotions? Are you able to swing out and execute? Um, See what that does for you. A big part of this is timing. How much time should you take to prepare mentally? That's up to the person, right? And so, you know, some people feel they need 30 minutes. Some people need 15. Uh, You know, it it kind of depends on the person and, and what that is. So you go into this figuring out, okay, when do I need to kind of go to myself and get ready? When does my warm up happen? Typically, we like our warm up, you know, on the juniors, for example, to happen, you know, maybe it's happening. 45 minutes before the match, right? And again, there's some tweaking that goes on an hour before the match, depending on how much that person wants to warm up. Um, Make sure the things you're doing in your personal control. We're not talking about superstitions here. We're talking about things that you do that make you successful. So it's not about having to have your lucky socks. This is about making sure your rackets are strong, uh, that you have a game plan, that your body's warmed up and loose, the things that you can do to make sure you're ready to play. Um, Final two things, and we can talk more about this. Make sure you're checking in with yourself pre-match. Don't be unintentional like, oh, Oh, time to play. That gets people into trouble. And, you know, so check in maybe half an hour before, 15 minutes before. Where am I at? Am I ready to go? Yeah, I'm good to go. Great. Following my plan. And finally, you got to be adaptable. Very important because things change all the time. As the players know, you get less time to warm up. You get more time to warm up. And I can talk about that more if you'd like. But you got to be flexible with those things. You got to know that whatever whatever's happening, maybe my warm up gets a bit messed up. I'm fine. I can deal with that. I can get into this match and be fine. So you don't want to create a rigidity here where oh my gosh, I have to have a specific routine that always happens the same way because you don't have that much control over it. Uh, you, again, you're not in a doll where you know, your whole life is planned around your matches. So, um, so you're going to have to be adaptable. He has to be adaptable too sometimes. You're going to have to be adaptable, uh, be flexible to deal with the things that, are su- that surprise you, that changes, and know that you can still perform.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Gotcha. And that's what I got. And- Cool. Cool. Um, and, uh, appreciate that. That was fantastic. Um, as far as the, um, check-ins, like, is that basically just, um, making sure that your planned routine is going as you'd like it, or is it a check of like, how am I feeling or what's the, what's the basis of the check-in? I, I think it starts with where am I at? How am I feeling? Uh, okay. you know, maybe the, the big one, um, is, feeling a little flat or I'm feeling a pretty like hyper and maybe jittery. Right. And where am I at in this emotional, physical energy and knowing where that state is and then where I want to be determines your strategies. Right. So if I, if am I pretty jittery before the match and I'm nervous and I can't get my leg from stop bouncing when I'm in the car or I'm sitting and waiting for my match. Okay. Probably need a little less energy. Not that you want to have no energy, but, you're probably beyond the amount of activation energy you need. So taking some deep breaths, some quiet space, maybe to listen to some slower music that calms you down. Um, maybe have a laugh with someone. Those kinds of things can help you to lower that energy a little bit so you can calm and compose. If you're, if you're going in that check-in and you're feeling flat, like, yeah, I'm not even really thinking about my match and I kind of feel tired or lethargic. Hey, warning sirens have to go off. Like this, I might be down a set before I get into this thing. So go do a more vigorous warm up. Go do some dynamic movement stuff. Maybe use shadow stroke to really get yourself engaged. Uh, maybe listen to faster music. Uh, so there's some specific things you do based on where you find yourself at your check in. If it were me and when I was playing, uh, playing tennis, uh, USTA league tennis, I would check in with myself maybe 30 minutes before. Where am I at? What do I need to do? And I might have a sense already, like I'm getting up in the morning, like I'm feeling a bit lethargic, so got to get up, get moving, get it, get it going, get some faster music on, uh, whatever I need to do uh, to get myself ready to go. Got it. Thanks, Larry. And uh, as far as the adaptability, I'm sure that you have, you know, different range of um, players where some, uh, as you kind of mentioned, like, if something goes wrong, then they get pretty anxious and things like that. But I know you've mentioned that we have to be flexible. So for those players who are, um, you know, the first type where they get kind of rattled, I guess, so to speak, when things don't go properly, like what advice do you have for them? Yeah, you know, it's, it's about resilience and not fragility. And understanding that things don't have to go your way for you to be successful. Um, you don't have to be feeling perfect. You don't have to have a sunny day with zero wind uh, or just slightly cloudy so the sun's not in my eyes or to have the perfect whatever it is, string job or, you know. And I, I think a lot of this comes back to the way you train, the way you practice. And I know, look, I mean, I, I work with juniors and pros. So we do way more training. But if you are doing training, you're having practices, um, practice in the wind. Um, when you're a little tired, still go and play because this teaches you how to deal 
with a suboptimal uh, state and how to get yourself closer to your optimal state, right? How to deal with those things. So, uh, so I think it's, it's that. I think it's also being prepared for the, the things that might come up. You know, when someone doesn't show and now you're thrown into doubles and you're planning on just playing singles, uh, but mentally like, okay, like be prepared for anything, know that you can deal with it. Um, and, and at the end of the day, and, and a lot of this advice is, is what we give to, to our pros and our juniors because they're constantly dealing with a change in the schedule. Uh, you have to be prepared to extend your pre-match and be okay with that, you know, to stretch it. Maybe there's a space in there where you relax, you kick back because the match before you is going long. And then you just know when the score in that match before you, as you know, uh, when it's time to really start gearing things back up, where I'm going to go move around, maybe do some shadow strokes, maybe listen to music again. Uh, maybe that's when it gets to midway through the second set, right? And I start firing things back up again when it's been a long match or I've been waiting. And then you also need to prepare to shrink your preparation time. So sometimes you maybe you arrive late, uh, maybe uh, you're going on before you realize, right? There's typically not, you know, none of these not before times for adult players. So you just got to play when they tell yeah. you to play typically. So um, being able to shrink that preparation, knowing what the most important uh, movements in the warm-up are for you, uh, also knowing where you can cut back on things. Uh, maybe you don't need to have the 15-minute uh you know, stretch, maybe it's going to get knocked down to five, you know, and you still are okay with it. Um, maybe your warm up's a little shorter, but you still get through the most important things. So when you, when you practice these things and you mentally prepare for them, when the surprises come, you're like, okay, I'm kind of ready for it. I, I knew this would happen at some point. So no big deal. If you don't mentally prepare for it, then it's a big deal when it shows up. Oh, I can't believe we got to go on the court. I'm not ready. Well, you know, this is yeah. going to happen to you if you play tennis. So. 100% Larry. And uh, I've got one more question for now because I know we have audience questions. Um, uh, obviously, never me, but what if we have, let's say, like a USC match or a tournament match and, you know, traffic or whatever, we're just, we, we leave late or whatnot. And then we get there like right when the match, you know, is going to start. And like for a lot of us, we have like some adrenaline from, <laughs> you know, driving yeah. to the match and all that. So there's obviously, do not do this, but. If it happens, uh, I mean, what should we be doing? And I imagine something on the mental side to at least calm down some. <laughs> yeah. So because, you know, that feeling of being rushed is is one of the big things that can take away from the performance. Right. And yeah, I've experienced that in grand slams with players when hmm. maybe the, the bus to the site is running behind hmm. or there's a lot of traffic and people are freaking out. So I. I think that in these cases when you don't have that much time do some breathing um calm yourself down take that time to pause and be like look i'm good i'm here I'm gonna be all right and then maybe maybe again you know all of your warm-up's gonna be in that warm-up with your opponent so then focus on moving your feet exerting yourself just getting into the flow of hitting the ball right and, you know, maybe if you can, you can visualize a little bit the way you want to perform. But if you've done some stuff beforehand, maybe you visualized in the morning, the night before, then that arrival 
might not have the big effect on you because mentally you've already done some of your homework. So, uh, but it, it's, it's not easy for sure. And I don't like to be running behind for things and get, you know, nervous or upset about it. So you really got to be aware of, of your emotions, remind yourself you're going to be okay, breathe. Maybe in that sense, we like to be optimally ready, but you're going to need a couple games to really get into it. And, and, and there's where I'd say, Hey, just take care of your serve, right? If mm-hmm. you can just hold your serve, you know, do the best you can. If you get down a break and what these matches are long, there's always a chance to get back in it. So, uh, but definitely not, not the best situation, uh, for sure. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Larry. So we'll go to some questions and comments. Let's see where we left off. Tom, hi, I just listened to Milan from Shanghai Clutch. He's all in. Yeah, that was definitely a good session there. Raj, Greenville, South Carolina. Awesome. 3-5. Biggest challenge is irrelevant thoughts that have nothing to do with my tennis mat. So what do we do there, Larry? Okay. Well, you know, I think the mistakes that a lot of people make, I'm not saying, Raj, you make this mistake, but we try to fight our thoughts. I shouldn't be having that thought. Stop having that thought. And that just gives it more energy. What I would encourage people to do is to accept that you're going to have some irrelevant thoughts. You're thinking about what you're doing later that evening or a work project or whatever. Um, This is normal. Your brain likes to bounce around to different things. So my suggestion would be to accept that monkey brain that likes to fly around and think of different things and then get get it under your control by taking a breath, uh, and then focusing your mind on, okay, this is what it's about. And if you're doing those ABCs, right, you re- wrote in your journal like the three goals that you have for the match, you can go back to those three things, you can visualize them. But this is disciplining your mind to focus in it, to funnel it in. Um, distraction is normal. All of us are distracted a lot in this crazy world. Uh, but being mindful, having that quiet space and practicing, going into your mental gym, Every day and spending five minutes doing meditation, mindfulness, breathing, visualization is training your mind to focus itself on one singular thing or into a smaller focus, if that makes sense, to zoom it in. That is a skill. And if you don't practice it, uh, that muscle atrophies. You don't, you're not as good at it, just like if you don't go in the gym and hit the weight. So, um, so yes, in the moment, uh, be accepting of those thoughts and really refocus back on what's important uh, and use your breathing to help you kind of hit that reset button. But if you're practicing that kind of skill every day, mindful breathing, visualizing success, um, you're going to get pretty good at refocusing away from those irrelevant thoughts. So when they show up, they're really not going to hold that much power over you. Whereas now maybe you know that they distract you from what you're trying to do and they can affect your performance. So, they end up being a bad thing when they show up versus just, ah, my brain misfiring. No big deal. Zooming in breath, visualize self-talk. Here we go. I'm going to focus on moving my feet. I'm going to grunt from the start of the match. I'm going to hit this ball high over the net. Off we go. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thanks, Larry. Let's see. We've got Jamie per the three questions. So two, five, um, can't seem to get bumped despite exclusively playing three. Oh, Hmm. Uh, biggest issue is putting it all together, competing well in matches. So any advice on that, uh, putting it all together and competing well? 
Well, that's that's a big question, right? Um, putting it all together. I think, you you know, talk to, to someone who's knowledgeable about tennis, a coach, uh, a teammate, and try to get their feedback on what they see. It seems like maybe you haven't been able to identify you know, what it is that's keeping you from bringing it all together, right? Uh, but I would look in all parts of your game. You know, physically, are you holding up in these matches? Are you able to move the way you want? And again, I, you know, I don't know people's conditions and all that stuff, but, you know, physically, mentally, are you focused on, again, the ABCs, some strategies? I would focus a lot on tactics here too, typically, because, you know, people say like, yeah, I, I practice well, but then I get in the matches, I don't play the same way. Anxiety, pressure, and decision-making. If you're, if you're, if you're in good shape and you can do the running that's necessary, then, uh, how, how are you dealing with your anxiety, your stress? And these are interrelated. What kind of decisions are you making? So if you can learn how to take your strengths as a player and turn them into advantages. So let's say, you know, Jamie, your forehand's really good, right? Or how are you building points to your forehand? Are you hitting serves that gets more ball to, balls to your forehand, right? Um, or are you making choices that really undermine your strength? You know, sending balls into the backhand corner right away, and then you're in a backhand cross-court rally. So I'm not going to go deep. I'm not a tennis coach. I work with tennis coaches and players every day. I know enough. But look at the tactics and see if you're working towards your strengths, exposing your opponent's weaknesses, or you're actually exposing yourself. I, Mirabon, I see that often where players don't play in a way that allows them to be successful. They hit the ball too flat. Now, again, there's differences in styles here. Uh, we're not talking about pros where everybody plays a lot of spin these days, but um, most everybody. Uh, but nonetheless, if you can do some things that make your opponent uncomfortable and working towards your strengths, that might be a way to start getting it going in matches. But you really, you really without knowing more, um, you got to take a look at all areas of your game and, and where do you think that, uh, you know, it's falling short, why it's not coming together. So, mm -hmm. yeah, self-evaluation uh, is key of your strengths and weaknesses for sure. Uh, let's see more questions here. Oh, good one. Um, Jay, look, my challenge is learning to be competitive instead of cooperative when it matters. I was trained to be nice to the opponent by not really challenging them. Any thoughts okay. on that? Wow. Okay. Yeah. That that's different than the Lauer household where we basically <laughs> fought every time we played sports as kids. But um, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, we would get into well, that's it. That's good. But yeah, well, it was good. very competitive. But uh, no, I, I, that's great. I mean, what great character, but it might not be helping you in the sense of really, you know, what they, they talk about, like getting dirty and digging in and taking it to your opponent and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And we have to understand that when we do everything ethically within the rules to perform and beat our opponent, we're making them better. And if you were to play me, I would want you to bring your game because yeah. that's going to force me to play better. So I think a lot of times, you know, players think that, okay, and I want to be, you know, too fired up or, uh, maybe I'm not going to hit certain serves because, you know, maybe it's, you know, not cool or, again, depending on your level, that matters a lot, uh, what level you're playing. But 
to be competitive is to say, okay, in one way, I'm making my opponent better by really bringing it. And so, you know, if someone says to you like, why are you trying so hard? That That's on them, right? Why are you trying, you know, and I've had people say that to me, like, well, I have a standard of the way I want to play and either you bring it or you don't. And that's on you. So, and I know that seems a bit rough, but that's what I believe. I think that the, the other thing is that you're also competing with yourself. And so being competitive can be, okay, I want to try and hit, you know, 60% of my first serves in this match. Um, I want to raise my level. So that can get the juices flowing, right? Where you're competing with yourself. So setting goals to, to perform. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, creating positive rivalries, one, ones where um, you really are pushing other people to be better by you being your best and, and, and having fun with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with that. I think being competitive is, a, is an awesome thing. Obviously, you need to be cooperative, cooperative often, but being competitive, trying to beat someone um, is, is part of life. And, and, you know, there's times to do that. Unfortunately, tennis is a place where we can do that in a good way. Obviously, we do it with respect. We do it with sportsmanship. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a good thing, I think, to be competitive. So you have to change your mindset about it. Set some competitive goals. Uh, play competitive games in practice, you know. Like play games where, okay, we're playing a four-point tiebreak. Here we go. It's on. And, and you know what? If you lose, you buy the other person lunch. You buy them dinner. Whoa, okay, that might get the juices flowing. So there's, there's things you can do to really um, encourage this part of yourself to come out. I really love that, especially the point about how, um, you know, by being more competitive, you're helping the other person, you know, get the most out of their game as well. I mean, the, you know, when I play tournaments and, and lose, that's when I'm learning the most, um, mm -hmm. you know, on average. So, yeah, uh, great stuff there. Thanks for the question. Let's see what else we have here. Um, great question uh, so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the timeless mantra, wherever you are, be there. About presence, yep, 100%. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Good Very reminder. Good yeah, yeah, let's see. A comment, We're excited about Summit and how improving my number one struggle is I want to win championships, have fun, and enjoy. Yes, I'm sure you will if you keep improving and uh, putting to practice what you learn about, including today with Larry. Um, Jay, look, I'm a very cold competitor. If I could be considered one and calm by that measure. All right, that's good. It's good you know yourself. Yeah, that's um, that's good. I mean, again, you know, people demonstrate their energy in different ways. Um, some exhibit it outwardly a lot. Others, they have a lot of passion on the inside, but they're not showing it. As long as you're in control of your responses to what's happening, um, where you're you're making good choices, you're making decisions, you're able to think clearly about what you're trying to do on court and give that good effort. You know, some can look very cold and, and meticulous, and others are, you know, fiery and look spontaneous. But there's a method to that madness. So, yeah, great stuff, uh, Jamie. Uh, my improving my number one struggle would be is I'd like to see how good I can really get. So it just that's a good uh, comment. How do you deal with um? kind of uh, maximizing potential, like on the mental side, like any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So I think, you know, trying to you know, kind of situate myself here with the audience, because when we work with juniors, 
we look at all parts of their mental game, right? And, and identify strengths that they have and areas we want to improve. And then we, and, and we get them maybe at 12, 13 years old and we just start teaching, teaching, teaching in the classroom, taking it to court, giving them feedback on court, doing mental drills on court um, and building up their skill sets and their perspectives uh, and how they perform in, in matches. So I would say, you know, there, there are things out there that you can take. There's uh, mental toughness questionnaires. There's uh, other questionnaires out there, surveys. You can do essentially what they call performance profile. You know, we used to do this a lot uh, where we'd say, okay, you know, we'd have a, a basically if you took a dartboard, right? And we'd say, okay, on the outside, each one of those pieces or those sections of that dartboard or that piece of pie uh, what what are the qualities mentally that one would need to perform at a high level? Confidence, composure, uh, toughness, determination, resilience, right? Aggressiveness, competitiveness, whatever you think those qualities are. The other way we do it is say, okay, take your favorite player and what qualities do they demonstrate? Put them on the outside of that, each piece of that pie and that pizza fire, dartboard each section, and then um, take a good hard look at yourself and rate yourself on how you're doing on those. Because at the center, that bullseye, um, if that's worth one point and 10 is worth, you know, is the best and that's at the outer edge, um, you know, how would you score on confidence, right? Um, what, what score would you give yourself? Is that something that you're pretty strong at? Or is that something you need to work on? And you can go through your game and your, your mental game and look at different uh, characteristics and skills and, and see how you're doing. You could also, again, always great to have someone else give you feedback. So you get a coach that you work with do it or a close friend um, who you play with, help you fill it out as well. That might give you some feedback. Um, and then you identify. Oh, I think it's important to identify your strengths and try to find ways to maintain and improve those or use those more. And then find those areas that need improvement. And then um, there's a ton of information out there, of course. Uh, you know, there's many good books. Uh, Jim, Jim Lehrer's books uh, are, are great. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're looking for tennis-specific things, um, we have our USTA Mental Skills and Drills Handbook that I was a lead editor on. We have a lot of mental skills drills in there. And also in our Compete Like a Champion uh, podcast, uh, that we're doing. We're now going through certain drills and talking about how to work on uh, the mental side of serving or returning. And we're going to get into returning pretty soon. So, so there's, there's things out there, um, you know, that you can, you can look at to help you identify, you know, what, where, where your challenges are and then start to come up with a plan. So. Excellent. And yeah, I just put in the Compete Like a Champion podcast link. Uh, that's actually a link to Apple Podcasts. But I mean, if you just search for <laughs> the podcast, yep. you'll find it on all platforms, I assume. Right. Yep, so it's out there. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Great. Great work on that, uh, by the way. So let's see. So, Jayla, kind of a similar question, I suppose. Um, but how can one transition from cooperative friendly play to competition where you must take advantage of any advantages and mistakes by the opponent? So I don't know if you had any additional thoughts, but um, mm. yeah, yeah. Jayluk is on this topic. So I would say, again, you know, as long as you're aware of the goals in, in the practice, so let's say you're in practice and 
maybe you're trying to get 30 in a row and you have to cooperate in that drill. And then you progress to a, a baseline game. To me, knowing the purpose of the drill will tell you if you're supposed to be competitive or cooperative. And also, to me, in a good practice, you obviously it depends on what the coach wants to work on, but often you're going to go from more cooperative work to competitive work, where now you're putting it into point play. You're putting in situations where you are trying to, to do something to expose your opponent, to set yourself up. So... I mean, that's how I would look at it. If I'm if we're working on things, it's more cooperative. I'm sure there's still times in point play where it is a, a lot of cooperation. Maybe if you're playing only on one side or, or whatever. But uh, nonetheless, I think that it's important to realize what the goal of, of the drill of the game is and, and allowing that to dictate um, you know, just how competitive you're going to be. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so Chris has uh, Christopher has a question about uh, related to overload, which I can remember you you had simple on the slide there. But yes. when playing a match, uh, how many areas of my game should I focus on? Okay, uh, you know, I give you. I'm going to give you a couple different answers here. You know, in terms of like our short term memory, we can hold seven plus or minus two things right hmm. here at the front of our brains and and pay attention to them. But that might not be optimal for performance in a tennis match. So I would suggest, you know, I've talked about those ABCs. Uh, there's a couple of things that are almost like turnkeys for the rest of your game. That's how you want to think about it. What are the things that if I do them, other things happen automatically? Mm. So if I move my feet and I'm physical, probably a lot to do with like my strokes is going to fall into place if I have good technique. Right. And so I'm looking for those turnkeys. What are the things that are going to open up the other things without me even thinking about them? The other way to look at this, uh, Christopher, is that you have strengths, you know, things that you've mastered potentially in your game. Those aren't things you need to hold on to. Right. So if your forehand is something that you've mastered, you can hit it in the dark. Um, you can hit any kind of ball you want. There's really no need to think about it. Now you're just looking to use it tactically, right? I'm just thinking about how to use this weapon to my advantage. So I would, I would keep it down to two or three things that you think are critical. Um, one of them might be something that you're working on. And so therefore it's something you're going to try and work on during your match. And the other two might be things that are key things that when you do them, you're successful, maybe like your strengths. Um, that's how I would answer that question. It's a tough one because focus, um, you know, you can only focus on one thing at a time. But our brains are really good at jumping from thing to thing to thing. And we can yeah. do that to a point, but you still have to focus on the ball. And if your mind, you get caught up on thinking of too many things, you lose track of this yellow ball. And that's where your focus has to be when you start to point. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode with Dr. Larry Lauer on how to mentally prepare for your matches. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end. Or just hit the review button in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. 
I would also like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show, and this one is by Michael Phelps. And Michael said, "If you want to be the best, you have to do things that other people aren't willing to do."、Uh, that's really motivating for me, just to remember that、uh, to achieve great things, you do have to put in the hard yards, and most other people are not willing to do that. So, in a way, it's actually easier to attain certain levels just because no one else is going to put in the work. So, if you do. And you have a, a clear plan in place and the passion to do so, then you will make it. So,、uh, love that one. Thank you, Mr. Phelps, a fellow Marylander、uh, from Baltimore, Maryland. Alrighty then.、Uh, with that, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirban Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.